The following program may contain views, ideas, and opinions that have been produced by the hosts and their guests and are not reflective of Quixie 98.3 or Skytower Communications. For questions, comments, and concerns, email us at news at wqxe.com. Good morning, I'm Zach Epperson. Just removed from downtown Elizabethtown is a small, unassuming white house that for decades has housed artifacts, collectibles, and other mementos commemorating African-American achievements and innovation. This is the Emma Reno Connor Black History Gallery. And this morning, as Black History Month comes to a close, I'm so happy to have on the program Mrs. Brenda Tucker, co-curator of the Emma Reno Connor Black History Gallery, on behalf of the Connor family, to talk about the gallery and the history behind it. Uh, Mrs. Tucker, how are you doing? Doing well today, Mr. Emerson. All right, so like I said, at the top of the program, have you on today to talk about the Emma Reno Connor uh, Black History Gallery in E-Town. And i got to say, not many people uh, know about the location. In my opinion, it's a hidden gem in Elizabethtown. Uh, so first, if you want to start off, tell us a little bit about the gallery, some background information. A little bit about the uh, gallery. Mrs. Connor was an educator in the LaRue County area, I think at Hodgenville. And so in teaching school there, she realized that there was not very much information in the textbooks regarding the contributions of African-Americans. So how she initially started it was collecting information from magazines, postcards, uh, different type of memorabilia whenever they traveled. So she just had a collection of all of these artifacts. And so her dream was to preserve this information. And so uh, she and Mr. Connor set out on that journey to do so. So it was a dream of Mrs. Connors, really. And so you, you talked about her being an educator and, you know, in doing some of the research, it was that, you know, she wanted to uh, provide the kids in her classroom uh, with this material to show them, uh, you know, from what I see, you know, the accomplishments and the achievements of uh, African-Americans, right? Absolutely. Correct. Yes, sir. And so she just wanted them to uh, be aware that this country was founded on a lot of significant people who did the hard work, but were not necessarily given the credit for it or even acknowledged about it. So that was her way of educating uh, her students about the contributions of African-Americans. Now, in talking about uh, Mrs. Connor, you know, there was also, you know, aside from the gallery, uh, she also had some other accomplishments as well. I believe she was a she was a published poet as well, correct? Absolutely. She has a poet, uh, a poem there called Black Boy, and then she has a book called 100 Years. So she was an author as well. Mrs. Connor is originally from Elizabethtown. They're part of the Reno family, and I believe they date back to um, the early 1900s. There were there were no uh, children born to Charles and Emma Reno Connor. So where the gallery is actually located at 100 Gallery Place is the home of um, Mrs. Connor's family, her parents. And one of Mrs. Connor's sister had that house built for her parents. She too was an educator, I believe, uh, with the Elizabethtown uh, Public School District. 
And so you went right into my next question that I was going to ask about the gallery. It's being it's being in uh, her childhood home. How did it begin in the home? Was that just a convenient place to put it? Was there any other significant ties that led her to establish it there? I think uh, from what I've been told is that they wanted to keep that history about um, the African-Americans in that area because I believe a lot of African-Americans lived in that area during that uh, time frame. And so they just wanted to keep it there. And it was, you know, like special to them because that was their home. And so, you know, that was a part of her dream. So she just thought that it would be more logical to keep it there. But Mrs. Connor and Charles Connor lived further um, down the street at Hawkins Drive, 500. They had a house built also. They, uh, she and her husband didn't live in that house. Right. And so, and also from what I can tell, the collection, which now encompasses the whole, majority of the whole house, was a very small collection to start off with. How did it grow from what you can understand? Or, you know, how did it start off, I, I should say? So it started off with that collection from Mrs. Connor from the magazines and the newspaper and just any kind of uh, print rich literature that she could find. That's how it started off. But it grew over the years um, after she passed away. And I want to say this, she actually didn't ever see the opening of the gallery because she was uh, stricken with an illness. And so Mr. Connor opened the gallery in 1989, if I'm not uh, mistaken. And Mr. Connor, uh, Mrs. Connor had passed away the previous year. And so you talk about the collection and to go on with that, Mr. Connors, uh, took it even a bit further. So he um, would travel different places and whatever kinds of artifacts that he could find, he would bring it back to the gallery. And that's how it's built over the years. And people would just bring him things and say, would you like to have this in the gallery? And he would say, of course. And that's sort of like how we have continued on. We've recognized um, different people as being the first African-Americans for whatever. For example, Carver Shear, the first African-American Navy sea diver. We have information in there about him. We may have, uh, I believe, like the first general on Fort Knox. So we've tried to be inclusive uh, in the surrounding Hardin County area to recognize people that are still making contributions to the community. So sometimes we go out and look for those individuals and then people will call us and say, hey, I have this or that or the other. Would you like to have that in the museum or can I bring? So it, it's a two-way uh, opportunity for us to get information there. So it's really community driven from what I can hear. Not only does it serve to educate the community, but also the community plays a part in, in providing the material, right? Absolutely. Moving on now, uh, I wanted to talk about, you know, some of the contents uh, that the museum has. You know, like you said, it covers just about everything you could imagine of uh, accomplishments and achievements of African-Americans. To you, uh, what's your favorite part or, or achievement that's displayed there? 
You know, I would have to say all of it because they, when you enter into the gallery first, there's like a hist in the first room, it's like a history of if you look around, you will see like Frederick Douglass, you will see Sojourner Truth, all the way up to President Obama in this first room. And as you walk through it, Mr. Connor, they all, he already had this established, like it's an art and uh, entertainment or music. Uh, room. So he has a lot of playbills from New York City because that's where he's from. And so he attended a lot of the plays in Harlem, went to the Cotton Club, met a lot of those people. So that's real there. It's just in a different area. Era, I'm sorry, different era. So that's real time right there and it's personal. I like that room. And then we go into another room and it's the military room. And I don't know if you knew this. And so I learned that Brooks Field, which is located on Fort Knox was actually named after an African-American. He has information in there about generals and Colin Powell and the Buffalo Soldier, just different things that he's collected. And then there is a sports um, room that has memorabilia from Muhammad Ali. He actually has a signed uh, autograph from Muhammad Ali. And um, Ed Hamilton, the sculpture sculptor in Louisville. So he has local uh, people that have done outstanding things all the way from Louisville. We recognize those people as well. And then he has a room that's just called Home Folk. Home Folk. And it really gives you a good history of what Elizabethtown looked like back in the early 1900s. And there were African-Americans, and I'm not originally from Elizabethtown, but I see that people own businesses. And I'm not talking about hair salons and barbershops. They had stores, you know, they had newspaper stands. Right. So you don't really even see that today, but that's probably my favorite room there. And you learn about the Bond Washington School, those things that are no longer existent. You um, can go back in time by reading that. And that's one of the things that Mr. Connor always said, whenever people visited the museum, he would say, take one important fact with you. And that's what I try to do, learn something. Because when I was in elementary school and even junior high and high school, of course we did learn about uh, Benjamin Banneker, Eli Whitney, Harriet Tubman, some of those people. But I don't even think um, much of that is even taught in school. I'm a retired educator. I just retired as a guidance counselor from Fort Knox School uh, District in September. So after having not 40 years at Fort Knox, but this is my 40th year in education. I was there for uh, 25 years, but in Hardin County some years and overseas with the Department of Defense. So. Mm -hmm. I know for a fact that I went the extra mile to ensure, just like Mrs. Connor did, that the, my students were exposed and knew about other people than Dr. Martin Luther King and Rosa Parks. 
that's about as far as their history goes, if, if you're talking about what's in a history book. So I think the Black History Gallery is an important asset to Elizabethtown in that it talks not only about those individuals, but it gives you information about some of those other unsung heroes that Absolutely. on the shoulders and stand on the whole nation. Absolutely incredible. I have to say, too, in doing uh, background research into this, I found out something I did not know, uh, that uh, the inventor of the traffic signal, uh, uh, an African-American man, Garrett Morgan, and I saw that in a video that featured the gallery. And so I learned something, albeit over the Internet, unable to come there in person. But you know, it's it's just so interesting to see the all the exhibits and the time, and you can tell the uh, the passion that was put into this this uh, endeavor by the Connor family. And so that's what I wanted to transition into now. Obviously, you mentioned um, that Miss Connor uh, was unable to see uh, the vision open to the public, and obviously her husband uh, is no longer over it, and you informed me at the beginning of it that obviously you, and I believe you said your husband, were over it. So how, how did you all get into um, running or curating the uh, Black History Gallery? Oh, it's such a sweet way that this happened. So I am a member of Delta Sigma Theta sorority, which is a, a sorority that I became a member of in college. So one of our initiatives were to find an African-American landmark in your community and, you know, expose it to the community, preserve it, you know, just bring life to it. So the gallery was the only place that we knew of in Elizabethtown. So that's how we initially got started with it. And um, so we would host an open house every every year. And we've been hosting that open house, the sorority has, for about 30 years for the first uh, Saturday in February. This year, we were not able to do it. And we just did a, a Zoom uh, acknowledgement of an African-American, which was Carl Bashir. But that's how we got involved in it initially. So we still do that, but my husband and I try to still continue that legacy by bringing life. We've hosted summer reading programs. We've had authors down there. We've had a jazz night. So Mr. Connor, he wanted that legacy, the gallery to remain open. He has a niece in Atlanta. So that's why I said on behalf of the Connors, she said, you know, her uncle would have wanted that gallery to stay open. And she asked us, will we continue to uh, curate it and be in charge of it? And we told her we would be more than happy to do so. so. It's just unfortunate we've not been able to do anything this year. And the funny thing is a lot of people, when they still come there, they will say, I never knew that this was even here. Right. So that's how we got started with it. Like you said, that is so that, that's such a sweet story to hear, and and, I, and you're right. You know, so many people uh, have no idea that it's just tucked right there in, in uh, just outside of downtown Elizabethtown. Uh, now, I wanted to ask you, and you touched on it briefly, uh, but how has COVID nineteen affected the operation of the gallery? Obviously, like you said, you usually have an open house every year, and I believe you know you all schedule appointments. Th those have had to be curtailed, I guess, due to the virus. Correct. That is correct. We've not opened it since last year, since the summer of last year. Okay. And up until this point, and people have, 
uh, inquired and wanted to come, but we just didn't feel like it was safe. It's a small establishment and you can't get very many people in like the Bluegrass Challenger wanted to come and it's a lot of those uh, students. We've hosted them before mm -hmm. and church youth groups will come. The only way that we have um, provided uh, something this year was through the uh, Harding County Education Channel. They came out and we did a virtual tour. So I believe they have shown it something, but that's been the only um, availability to the gallery through that forum, through that medium right there. But we haven't had anyone in yet. As we get ready to wrap up here, just a couple more things for you. Um, you know, you, you mentioned there at the beginning, you know, when we talked about people always bringing in uh, new items to Mr. Connor and, and to, to you know, grow the collection. Are there any plans right now to, uh, to expand the collection or is it just being preserved the way it is? Or are you always accepting new items? We're always accepting new items. We just want to keep it like it, like it was initially started. We have a talked with Denise yet about expansion, but let me just share this. So a few years ago, we had to have the facility painted, the house, the gallery painted. And this is because we did not want to disturb how he had originally placed every picture or artifact. We took pictures <laughs> of how everything was placed on the wall to ensure that we would place it exactly or almost as close to it as he had it. Because that's, that's their legacy. That was their dream. And we're just trying to preserve it. And whatever and however we can do that without interrupting or taking away what their initial mission and vision was for it, that's what we want to do. We do have plans to do some work on the gallery. It needs a little bit of work and we're, you know, we need help with helping to preserve it like the handicap ramp needs fixing. Well, there isn't one, but the, the steps going up to it needs fixing and, you know, just some things replacing inside and out because the house is old. I want to say it was built in 1937. Oh, wow. If, I, if, if my memory serves me correct, there's some information down there about when the house was built and um, that Mrs. Connor's sister wrote about. Outstanding. Uh, last thing I have for you, and again, this has been such a treat. It's been a great interview so far. You mentioned uh, near the beginning that you know when when people would leave, that Mr. Connor always wanted them to to take one thing with them if they learned one thing about it. If talking about this interview, if you want listeners to take one thing away from it about uh, Emmerino O'Connor and the Black History Gallery, what would that be? Oh my gosh, it'd be so many things, but I'll tell you this one thing. <laughs> Because there is so much, you're not going to be able to get everything at, on one uh, visit. Mm -hmm. And that you have to keep coming back to really embed that material into your minds. And whenever you do that, don't keep it to yourself. Share it and pass it on. That's how you keep that legacy. And that's how we keep growing and appreciating one another and respecting one another because we're all here together living in 
this world together. And the way that we come to know one another is to respect each other. And knowledge is powerful, but pass it on to somebody else. Say, hey, did you know about Bessie Coleman? She was the first African-American aviator. And did you know about Isaac Murphy, who was a participant in the Kentucky Derby, one of the first African-Americans to win a race? I don't know how many people know that. And so we go to the Kentucky Derby or participate in some kind of way. Why not share that? We're at the Derby. We're talking about it. Tell them about Isaac Murphy. So we have to tell the story so that we can be more appreciative of one another. Absolutely. This has been a tremendous opportunity. Uh, Ms. Brenda Tucker, uh, curator, curator on behalf of the uh, Connor family of the uh, Emerina Connor Black History Gallery in Elizabethtown. Uh, Ms. Tucker, this has been so great. Thank you so much. Thank you. For a recap of today's forum or to listen to past forums, you can go to our website, wqxc.com, and click on the Media tab. For Quick C98.3, I'm Zach Epperson.